Commanders, Jets, Sunday, 1 p.m., Christmas Eve, up in the Meadowlands. We've got your game preview with Rami Lavi of the In Flight Snack Podcast on the Believe Network. Let's go. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Ref the District's game preview as the Washington Commanders head up to the Meadowlands to take on the New York Jets on Christmas Eve. I'm Nathan. That's the stoner here from Ref the District here on the Believe Network. We are presented to you by Bet Online. College playoffs right around the corner. Bowl games here for you. We've got games all throughout the Christmas weekend as well. And you need to do yourself a favor. If you are a betting person, head over to Bet Online. They've got all of your up-to-date wagering information on not just the NFL and college football, but the NBA, NHL, boxing, you name it, they've got it as if it comes to betting. And do yourself a favor and treat yourself this Christmas holiday by using the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We here at Ref the District do remind you to bet responsibly as well. Currently, the Washington Commanders are three-point underdogs to the lowly Jets stoner. Mm. And this is a game where it is going to be, I think, probably not what people expect, right? It's supposed to be a low-scoring game because Mm. the Jets offense can't move the ball. They're the 32nd-ranked offense, and the Washington has the 32nd-ranked defense. So we don't know what's going to happen That The Jets are supposed to have a good defense, but at this point, neither team are actually any good. So I don't know what to make of this game. To me, it seems like Washington might be even though they're technically underdogs might be able to pull out a victory when it comes to this, but then the jets are so bad that, and kind of, you know, crazy, maybe Trevor Simeon does beat Washington. How do we make sense of this game? You don't, you absolutely don't make sense of this game. It's either going to be one of those sort of games where it, each team has like three turnovers and a missed field goal and a safety and a botched punt and all. It's just going to be one of those super ugly games or it's going to be the exact opposite. It's going to be a high-scoring shootout all the way to the fourth quarter, both teams just going up and down the field, the exact opposite of what you expect. It'll be an exciting game. Everybody will be talking about, hey, this is pretty awesome that these two tankers are actually out there beating each other up and having a good time and playing football. It's going to be one of those two. It's not going to be what you expect. I can promise you that. Well, Washington's going to be missing a few pieces on their offensive line, and they're going up against kind of a really good defensive mm. interior defensive lineman. What yeah. do we think is going to happen with Nick Gates? Are we going to see the reason why he was benched, or can he maybe turn things around and keep Sam Howell upright? Is that a rhetorical question? It sounds like a rhetorical <laughs> question. There is no answer that I'm going to give you that's going to be satisfying. It's not going to be good, Nathan. You're going to have base. You're going to have Gates. You're going to have Sadiq Charles over there who's one game off of his injury, and you're going to have Cornelius Lucas. It just feels like it's going to be a sack fest. But that's the thing. That's what you expect, right? But Mm -hmm. expect the unexpected in this game where Washington's going to completely shut down this defensive line and Sam Howell's going to just have a clean pocket all night and throw for 350 against Sauce Gardner and Reed and just have a a beautiful uh, game. It's 
It's just going to be the unexpected. I would love nothing more than to Sam Howell to have a beautiful game here against the Jets defense because that is their highlight. And our highlight here today is having Rami Levy from In Flight Snack join us to talk about this tank of the which team actually wants to lose here. Let's get to Rami. All right. Hey, Rami, thanks for joining us here on Ref the District. I've enjoyed listening to uh, your podcast because there's a lot of similarities between the Jets and the Commanders. Both teams kind of coming into the season with a lot of hope. Washington, of course, was because of a new owner and getting rid of the previous owner. And then for your Jets, it was Aaron Rodgers was going to be the savior of the season. You guys have this defense, and Aaron Rodgers was going to be the key piece to put you over the edge. And here we are, and both teams are eliminated from the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers didn't play a snap, and we start, Washington started off 2-0 and and then completely lost the rest of the season. And now we're all looking ready for the draft. What has it been like for you experiencing that as a fan of the Jets? Because we know what it feels like on our end for Washington. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And hey, at least we both play well against Philly, right? We can always <laughs> hang our hats on that. So that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's same old. It, it's so funny because one of the first episodes I did was the day before or the day it was announced that Aaron Rodgers was going to play in the final preseason game for the Jets. And I was just listening back to it a couple of days ago. And I had my dad on because he's a longtime Jets fan. And what's funny is my mom grew up uh, in a, a suburb of D.C. and is actually formerly Redskins, but now a, a Commanders fan. So it's kind of funny. So we nice. we've seen it alongside each other this whole time, how it's always same old. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, for the Jets, we thought it would be different. We have Aaron Rodgers. It's a Hall of Fame quarterback. This was supposed to be different for you guys. Maybe you with an owner, you don't expect it to be different in year one. But how many times have we gone through the, you know, we have this is the quarterback of the future. And then it's not, you know, with you guys, you were really close. RG3 had that was special and you drafted so two exciting. quarterbacks in that draft right you drafted Kirk Cousins too <laughs> who's a great quarterback yeah. elsewhere now so it's it just seems like whatever happens it's always going to go wrong whatever can go wrong will go wrong and so the episode going back to that that I the conversation I had with my father essentially was how is this going to get messed up and listening back to it today was funny it was like we predicted it and yet we still weren't prepared for it. You know, right. we, we we predicted like, oh, this is somehow going to go poorly, but mm -hmm. we are still, we can't like contain our excitement for Aaron Rodgers, especially me and my father. We're both big Aaron Rodgers fans before we, he was mm -hmm. a Jet. And so it was just kind of like, we can't contain our excitement. We know this is going to go wrong. We know we're going to be terribly disappointed in the end. And yet we're going all, all in, full head of steam. And that's how Jet fans are. And even, you know, go back last week, they win a game against Houston 30 to 6. And all of a sudden, Jet fans are back in. And I had fans sending me, and I love the community we've created with Believe. And I have fans sending me pictures of them at tailgate parties down in Miami. So many Jet fans either live there or move there or love to just go down there for a game, especially when it's cold up here in the winter. And these Jet fans are loyal. They're like, hey, if we win this week, Rodgers is coming back, you know, and then we could turn run the table. The Jet fans are as loyal as it gets, and it just sucks because every time we're disappointed in the end. Before we get into sort of the specifics of the game itself, I want to ask about your perception of the head coach. From an outside perspective on our side, I, I, I like Robert Sala, and even if I'm not saying his name properly. He seems like a guy that players want to play for. 
but this is this is year three am i right is it year two or year three year three yep it's year, year three. three you really haven't gotten kind of over that hump yet even with all of the hope that you talked about is the honeymoon coming to an end the answer is more complicated because Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee on Tuesday and said he thinks Robert Sala is an excellent, I think was the word, head coach, and he's doing a great job. I personally disagree. I think Robert Sala hasn't had a real chance. That's the thing that sucks. I don't think he's had a real opportunity to be a great head coach yet because look at who his quarterbacks have been, right? He had two years sure. of Zach Wilson, now Aaron Rodgers. He's dealt with so much garbage over the years, so much crap with just everything head to toe. Um, but when you have guys in the locker room, that last year it was backing Mike White over Zach Wilson. And this year it's liking certain social media posts and Alan Lazard saying there's a lack of accountability. We're underprepared. There's a lack of accountability. That's the answer. There's something here that's missing. And so while I don't know if we really have the answer on whether, whether or not Robert Sala is a good coach, sometimes you don't get that answer. Sometimes you don't give yourself the opportunity to find out because you just can't overcome so many things. Now, that said, I think he'll be back because Rodgers is running the show. And I don't mm -hmm. think that's necessarily a bad thing. I've come around about that really in the last couple of days. I don't really think it's a bad thing that you just handed the keys to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, when you bring in a Hall of Fame quarterback, sometimes that's what you have to do. Um, unfortunately for the Jets, and I I'm kind of nervous of what happens beyond next year. Let's say Rodgers comes back next year and he's healthy, but there are still mistakes and still lack of accountability, and it clearly falls on the head coach. Then what, you're going to fire him and now 41-year-olds Aaron Rodgers is going to start with a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach? That's crazy to me. So if there was a time to change the regime, to me it would be now, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, you can always hire Hackett. He's already on the staff. Oh, my God. You never know. He was By the so way, that's going to be the other Denver. option. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's that's the point. If they don't – if they don't, right. So if they fire Salah, the option is going to be Hackett. Like, Hackett. I'm sitting here dreaming of uh, a – a Jim Harbaugh dreaming of even a Mike McCarthy. If the Cowboys decide to go in a different direction, mm. uh, you know, Aaron talks about him now in a lot more of a brighter light than he did towards the end in green Bay. And sometimes Aaron does that where it's a little bit of revisionist history with him. I know my buddy, uh, Joe Beningo on WFAN. He always talks about Rex Ryan kind of revisionist history too, because it fell apart with Rex Ryan a bunch of times at the end. And I love mm -hmm. Rex and Bilal loves Rex because Bilal was drafted by Rex and the, my podcast is named for Rex and all these things. But that was the greatest era of Jets football of my life. But still, that doesn't mean it was perfect. And now he's 10 years older and 10 years removed from coaching in the league. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect again. So, you know, Joe B, who has a friendly relationship with Robert Sala and actually got him in trouble for airing his private text messages on WFAN, mm -hmm. you know, it, he's now calling for his job. So like we love, so I think everyone likes Salah as a person. I think the media loves Salah. You don't see the media asking him questions about his job so much um, because I think he's created a really great relationship with everyone in the media. I, I think he gets kind of a pass almost from the media more than other coaches have because of what a, actually good dude he is but that doesn't mean he's a great head coach i think he's a good defensive mind i think the players love him i think he is a leader of men i just there's a certain accountability there that i see is missing with this team and it's frustrating as a fan and especially in new york sports all we want to see i mean the Knicks fans are obsessed with the knicks right now this Knicks team is not going to make an nba finals they don't have an a-list superstar 
we love Jalen Brunson and and Emmanuel Quickly and guys who play hard, Josh Hart and guys like Isaiah Hartenstein who who get down there and, and are willing to do the dirty work and it's not about themselves and it's about the team. And we love looking at a box score every morning after a game and seeing three guys had 20 points and another three guys had 15 and that's how they got the win, you know? That's what we want to see. We want to see teamwork and accountability. And when you see guys on the sideline pointing fingers and calling people out on social media, it's just, it's really frustrating. Yeah, I was going to draw, there's a lot of parallels, it seems, between the two head coaches, minus the media thing. Not a lot of love for Ron Rivera and the media. He's had some issues with his uh, interviews as of late. There's a lot of parallels between both teams, you know, currently set to pick four and five. And I called this game the Tankathon. Where do you sit? on a team tanking are you pro pro the jets tanking for the rest of the season get you a better draft pick or do you want to see the jets you know perform well and win a few games here to close that out this year is different than past years obviously in 2021 when they were trying to tank for trevor lawrence failed epically but when they were trying to train take or was it 2020 i think it was 2020 actually but they they're trying to tank for trevor lawrence um, and then they go into the LA and they win a game there with Frank Gore running all over them. And I mean, that, that year was awesome because that, I think when they were zero and eight, I'm pretty sure it was, and they had the lead against, uh, at the time, I think it was still maybe the Oakland Raiders, uh, and they have the lead against the Raiders and, um, they call an all Greg Roman calls an all out blitz at the end of the game with zero mm, seconds left. That. So yep. that they throw the, the 60 yard touchdown to Henry Ruggs or whatever it was. And it was like, yes, we're tanking, you know, and, and it's like the, the coaching staff is on board. We all want Trevor Lawrence, by the way, Trevor Lawrence hasn't been all that great. So it's not, I mean, he's better than Zach Wilson. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I don't know. It's like, that's not, saying much not better. yeah, exactly. That's, that's not a very high bar to clear. Um, what I will say is I, when I turn the TV on Sunday, I can't root for my team to tank. Like if I'm, if I, want them to lose i just can't watch like really because I, I can't root for them to lose this year's different in the sense that if the coaching staff is coming back a lot of the same players are coming back aaron Rodgers is coming back you have to build a winning culture there's no use in getting a better draft pick because Rodgers doesn't want you to draft a quarterback anyway would i love joe alt and he might not be there the offensive lineman right the offensive tackle he might not be there later than four or five sure would i love one of these great wide receivers in the draft Sure. Yeah. And maybe, you know, we're fighting with Washington and some of the other teams, although I think a lot of teams at the top are going to end up drafting quarterbacks It's a quarterback heavy draft. That's how it usually goes. So, yeah, I, I do understand the value in this draft, but I think it's so much more valuable. We have to see them end the season strong. Last year, they were seven and four and they ended the season on a six game losing streak. That can't happen again. The alternative is they do lose out. And I think you really do have to start asking questions like, should this coaching staff stay in charge? Because, mm. look, they have three games that are all winnable and two of them that they're going to be favored in. They're favored against Washington. They're going to be favored the last week of the season against New England. They're not going to be favored on Thursday night in Cleveland. I got that. And Cleveland's been great with Joe Flacco, who was the quarterback for this team for part of last year, which is crazy and typical <laughs> Jets, right? Typical <laughs> commanders, typical Jets, like we started the conversation with. So, look, I can't root for them to lose. And I want them to win because I think they need to build some kind of momentum. And that's why I heard fans on WFAN and hosts on WFAN and fans around the city who are like, bring back Aaron Rodgers. If he's healthy enough to play, even if we're out of the playoffs, Build, start building now, start yes. next year now, start building the culture, start showing us what it can be for next year. Now, he's not 100% healthy, it's not worth it. I get that, but 
I, I understand where people are coming from. It, it's you have to you have to build a winning culture. You have to end the losing. We we are all in agreement on that. We are non tankers here. One hundred percent. That's right. Uh, so let's uh, get to this game specifically. Then uh, we're not going to really talk about the the number thirty two offense against the number thirty two defense. All right, that's kind of unmovable object versus uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, we yeah. talked about that earlier. So, yeah, unmovable object versus the stoppable force is what it right, is. Right, exactly. <laughs> the worst matchup possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but let's talk about this defense for the Jets, which really is the strong point. Why is it so strong? Uh, the Jets defense. Uh, Quentin Williams is the first answer I'll say every single time. That's. Again, and that's not just because he came on the show. First of all, the week he came on the show, he got his he got an interception, his first of the year. Uh, I think it might have even been the first of his career. So I'll, I'll take credit right now. Um, sure. No, but Quinn Williams is the defense starts and ends with him because in in the system that they run with Jeff Ulbrich's defense, which he also deserves all the credit in the world, Jeff Ulbrich and the detail that he has, the mindset that he instills in these players, and one of the things Quinn Williams did say to us was. If they score zero, they can't win. We can't worry about the offense. And that's why this defense, even at times, it seemed like sometimes they've come close on the brink of breaking when you haven't gotten anything out of your offense for three years mm. and you're playing this well on defense. I don't know how they haven't broken. And sometimes it seems like this year they were on the brink a couple of times against Miami, the Buffalo game, sure. But really, outside of that, they've been so solid and rock solid even when they are carrying this team and the offense is doing nothing on the other side of the ball. And it starts with Quinn Williams because he draws a double team and he gets pressure with the double team. And sometimes even with the triple team, he still gets pressure and it allows the Jets to rush three and four. They never blitz, rarely ever blitz. And they get pressure and they get home and they get sacks. Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff have been incredible seasons off the edge. A lot of that has to do with Quinn and Williams. And then the guys they rotate next to Quinn and Williams, whether it's Quentin Jefferson, whether it's John Franklin Myers, all these guys rotating in on the defensive interior and then allowing the guys on the edge to get pressure really easily. And even Quinton Williams sometimes getting sacks himself uh, from the interior is incredible. And it makes everyone else's job easier. Now you could sit back in the zone. You can let eight guys or seven guys play in the secondary and confuse a quarterback. Um, and the linebackers also, because of the way they play, are huge. The two middle linebackers, when you're talking about C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams, yeah. the brother of Quinton, have been fantastic this year. And that's before you even talk about the two corners that everyone talks about and DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, who have been two of the best corners in the league. I know DJ Reed had a terrible week last week, and he said, hey, it was a good old-fashioned butt-whooping. It happens sometimes. And look, I, I disagree with the philosophy at times of you know not traveling corners and not double-teaming sometimes and just staying in the same zone. And every time it was man defense, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the clip of Mike McDaniel. He's like, oh, we got one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with, with Waddle and Reed. We're gonna, it's going to be a one-play touchdown here. And it was like, it's, hmm. it, 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 I see that, you know what I mean? So that sometimes frustrates me. That's the stubbornness of Robert Sala afterwards being like, yeah, that's our system. So we're not going to change it. Sometimes you have to make adjustments in game. Um, but again, I think this defense is special really because of those three levels and the safeties with Jordan Whitehead and those guys, like there, uh, there is no weak link on this defense. You would have told me that it was probably the interior linebacker, CJ mostly gaining a year older. Quincy Williams wasn't that great last year. And now these guys are as good as anyone. The defensive line is as good as anyone. The edge rushers, I hope they find a way to keep Bryce Huff. Jermaine Johnson took a massive step this year. Um, and he credits a lot of that to Quentin Williams helping him as well. 
I can't find a weakness on this defense outside of maybe sometimes the scheme. Hmm. Commanders well, aren't scoring, Nathan. Nope. Doesn't sound good for nope. the commanders oh, there. Well, but they'll have a lot of short fields, though, right? I mean, that's that's good for them. <laughs> and then, there might be like 12 sacks in this game, though, with how many sacks the commanders take. I saw at some point, I think they had, I think 11 games in, they had set the record already for sacks in the season. Is that is yeah. that correct? We know like, where Sam Howe was on record for more than 100 sacks in a 16-game season. Not even not yeah. even needing that 17th game to crack the three digits. Things have been better for Washington, although for unfortunately for us, Nick Gates is going to replace Tyler Larson at center. He was one of the bad things in the center, so expect a good day on the interior defensive line for your Jets. Now, thankfully, if it is a low-scoring game, the Jets' offense is so pitiful. They'll be starting Trevor Simeon there. You talked with Belial on the in-flight snack about sometimes the lack of effort there. You have a stud wide receiver. You just don't have a QB who can get it to them. And you've got some decent talent on the line. Why is the offense just not getting moving? I mean, they're, they're worse than Washington, who's been shellacked four or five games this season. Again, it comes back to adjustments. That was, I think, the first failure was they built an, an Aaron Rodgers offense. Aaron Rodgers, when he gets to the line, he doesn't want movement. He doesn't want guys in motion. He wants everything to be concealed because he sees the field better than anyone else in the league. And we know this with drawing guys offside. We know this with how he gets 12 men on the field constantly. All these things that make Aaron Rodgers great would make anyone else fail in that offense because you can't ask. You couldn't even ask Russell Wilson to do it last year, obviously with Nate Hackett in Denver. So when you're asking Zach Wilson now to go into Dallas, because essentially that's his first game, right? He comes in the game, obviously, in Buffalo, plays most of that game. They find a way to win. I mean, that throw to Garrett Wilson is an awful throw, and Garrett Wilson makes an unbelievable catch for the end zone. I think like Joe Buck's emotion on that call was heightened because everyone's emotion from that game was heightened. After like I like watching the game, I was just like tense and like just kind of had that lump in my throat where it's like, oh my, I can't believe this. You're still, and then, you know, it seems like, hey, wait, something's actually happening here. They score the touchdown to cut the Buffalo lead. So that's besides the point, but that was an incredible catch by Garrett Wilson. Um, and then you go into, into Dallas and you see them trying to run the Aaron Rodgers offense. And it's like, wait, you now know Rodgers is out for the year. It's time to implement a different offense. You know, Zach Wilson can't do this. And sometimes when I watch Miami's offense, it's like, I could stand in there and make those throws. Like it's so yeah. simple. Like it's a one. And by the way, and when they move off, when when you press their their receivers and you disrupt the timing, all of a sudden it's not it's not a one two three read offense. All of a sudden it looks completely different, right? It's such a simple where we're going to move a couple guys in motion, so you know exactly what's coming. Everyone's in motion. The defense is confused. The offense knows exactly what's happening, and they're in control the entire time. Meanwhile, it took the Jets like six weeks to even start to implement some stuff that would work for Zach Wilson, some bootlegs, things like that. And by the time that happened, the Jets are now on their 12th different iteration of the offensive line. So they've had you know, so many injuries up there. And then Al Lazard looks like he's just given up. I mean, he was a healthy scratch a few weeks ago. The guy, I've never seen a more passive wide receiver in my life, never fought, fights for a ball in his life. I mean, every time he's just waiting for it to come to him. And we've had a few plays this year where the quarterback actually has made good throws and he's just waiting back on it. Um, and then the biggest issue, and this is always going to be the biggest issue, is the quarterback. At the end of the day, the quarterback's not good. I know Zach Wilson is super talented and it sucks, but he doesn't have it between the ears to be an NFL quarterback. Sometimes you just can't see it, whether he's stressed, whether they, you know, it's just too much damage been done in his first three years of his career. And 
Trevor Simeon looks awful. And I, earlier in the year, I was like, I mean, Trevor Simeon's had success in the NFL. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then I watch him. He's missing throws that nobody misses. So uh, maybe he just is out of practice and he hasn't done it in a while. But, you know, they signed Brett Rippin after they have Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle, I mean, me and Bilal laughed about his his college stats. And it's like, how does he have a job? Now he has another job. Then someone just, I think Houston just picked him up or something. So, like, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable to me that this guy keeps getting jobs. But he's terrible too. So I don't even, again, it's a combination, but I think the scheme was made for Aaron Rodgers. And not only do you not have Aaron Rodgers, you don't even have any decent quarterback and then 12 different offensive lines. Just re-sign right. Mark Sanchez. I'm sure he's the answer to all the I problems mean, for the Jets. Oh my God. If it, it, it's, it's literally, you think about anyone. It's like, just get anyone. And then it's like, Tim Boyle? <laughs> anyone but him. anyone but him you know what i mean like all the options they've given us it feels like we're kind of options that wouldn't interfere with an aaron Rodgers comeback and that's kind of a weird way to operate um and it was kind of like they punted on the season and that's really frustrating as a fan as a season ticket holder as someone who invests is highly invested both financially and emotionally in this team it sucks to be like wait you punted on the season so where's my refund you know what i mean like but that's how they punted they they really did well, All hopefully right, they do not to uh, re you know up the season tickets the way oh, they, they did, did here in Washington. Did they, they already uh, did? They always do. Yeah. Come on, and um, they imagine, imagine losing so bad and they uh, they up it. They waited at yeah. least in Washington. They waited until the bye week to mention it because they lost right really bad before the bye week. And I imagine that's when they were going to tell people, "Hey, we're going to up it by some people like forty percent." But they wait until the bye week. Oh, so so it wasn't that. It was like. like five ten percent and they but they they also moved up the deadline to re-up because last year right they were seven and four when they when they um when they raised the ticket prices they were seven and four last year but then the deadline wasn't to 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 re-up for your season tickets wasn't until february so some people Mm. saw the raised prices and how the season ended with the six game losing streak and then by the time february came around they had canceled this year they moved it up they said you had to already signed by november 15th you had to put down yeah. a deposit for the following season it's sure. not like they were already bad and i caught when i called the ticket rep he gave me coach speak like like you know yeah <laughs> it's a long season i know he there's been some highlights and some tough time. yeah exactly and i'm like are you kidding me and that's by the way that's if they answer it's i mean <laughs> yeah. i think you guys have a bad franchise shout out to the there. washington ticket reps because they, they they do a fantastic job out here by the way washington. they do I, I worked i worked down in uh dc i worked for the ravens and orioles on on the fan in baltimore for a few years mm. and uh i um i got to know a couple of the dc reps so yes they do a great job down there some awesome people all right robin good information good uh insight into the jets but I, last question for you from me is Give me a game uh, prediction. Give me a score. What's going to happen on Sunday? Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to say this is tough. I'm going to say mm, 11 to 6 Jets. The Jets oh. get a safety, three field goals. <laughs> and uh, Washington gets a couple field goals. Actually, yeah, no, eleven no. to nine. I think I think I like Washington plus three, so I have to stay consistent. So I'll say Washington gets three field goals, and it's eleven nice. to nine. 
Fair enough. We both have Washington winning this one. It's guaranteed either fan base is probably going to be a little upset come Christmas. I think both could be upset at the end of this one. <laughs> yeah, because because either you want the, your team to lose to get the better draft pick or you want them to win and they are going to lose either way. Neither team are good, but Rami, you were excellent here on Ref the District. You can check him out with Belial Powell on the Believe Network. In Flight Snack is the name of their podcast there. Game will be on Christmas Eve between the New York Jets and the Washington Commanders. I'm Nathan Perry Stoner down here from Ref the District. We're presented to you by Bet Online. And until next time, I'm gonna go out and get that dub. Sorry, Rami. Oh, good. Be a fan. <laughs>